Hi, and welcome to the House Hack Podcast. An exploration of modern work and how young professionals and businesses can work together in pursuit of the careers of tomorrow. Ryan and Charlie here. We're so glad you could join us. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to the House Hack Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Jonathan Douglas-Smith, who is an aerospace engineer responsible for the strategy behind Intelligent Energy's fuel cell products for aviation. With a degree in mechanical and manufacturing engineering from Trinity College Dublin, he's one of the high flyers with an early careers at Intelligent Energy. We're speaking to Jonathan about the role of networking in early careers, and you can find him on LinkedIn. How are you doing, Jonathan? Hello. Um, I'm not too, doing too bad. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks for the, the nice intro. Uh, as you mentioned, yeah, my, my role is really just on a mission to with industry and the renewable sector to paint aviation green. Really happy to be here today and thanks for having me on the podcast. Nice, really glad to have you too as well. So in terms of the aerospace engineer kind of background, I kind of get what that is in terms of what you do from an outsider's point of view, but just breaking that down into layman's terms, what does your day-to-day look like as an aerospace engineer? So what I'm responsible for is the strategy behind the aerospace fuel cell products that Intelligent Energy is developing. So what we're essentially doing is developing clean fuel cell engines, which will go into aircraft, which will be your short hops from, say, Glasgow to London, London to Paris. Uh, So my day-to-day is working with aircraft manufacturers in becking out the engine so that it will meet the requirements of the planes of the future. Nice. And was this something that you, since graduation, knew you wanted to get into, especially within the aerospace industry? Or was this something you more found yourself getting into further down your career? Was that the initial ambition or something you fell into? Something, it was a little bit of both, actually. Um, I find it actually really difficult to, you know, when you're sitting in school and going to through your physics uh, lessons, etc., you'd you don't you get very limited experience about aerospace engineering. You just study physics. And even at university, most people go through mechanical engineering, which again, there's limited experience. It was only further into my university experience where I, I did some um, aerospace engineering labs with airfoils, et cetera, that I really developed a, a more in-depth engineering passion for the, the sector and decided I wanted to pursue that as a career. If we go all the way back as well, I, I have always been fascinated by things that fly. Being able to, to see something that weighs that amount of tonnage in the air has always blown my mind. And um, when I was four years old, actually, uh, I, I was able to, to fly the last ever Concorde uh, back in 2003. And so that certainly made me fall in love with the industry. Wow, so a bit of serendipity ties by a bit of a childhood passion as well. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. In terms of specifically intelligent energy. I know you've got a really interesting story about how you came across that role and how you found it. So what was your journey in terms of getting to intelligent energy and how did you hear about them in the first place? Yes, it's actually quite an interesting story. So um, I I decided to give um, finance a shot, decided that it wasn't for myself. But when I was uh, in Trinity, um, there was a math society that set up a, a poker club. And some of my mates dragged me along to it one day and I'm a fiercely competitive individual. So I naturally got hooked on to, to playing every week with my friends and studying poker so that I could you know, try and beat them every week and get them for a 20 quid uh, stack, for example. What happened out of that was essentially we, there was a few of us that got actually quite competitive and we formed a, a poker study group and uh, we had a bit of success in some poker tournaments across the world. 
Um, and it just so happens that I was networking at one of those poker tournament tournaments uh, where I came across the owner of the company I now work for, Intelligent Energy. Um, and he actually plays high stakes poker for charity. So I got chatting with him um, and I learned more about one of the, the companies he backs, Intelligent Energy, and its goal. And I realized this is really a, a mission and a company that I could get behind. I had the combination of opportunity to work in aerospace and it was in renewables as well. And they were both really my two biggest passions. Nice. Awesome. That's quite a, a unique story that I think probably underlines this conversation thereafter about networking and how almost the unseen opportunities can come from the ones that perhaps you do through a passion or through something you love and you can never know what comes out of it in the end as well. So since joining Intelligent Energy, how have you found yourself progressed within the company and what's been your starting role to where you are now? Um, so yeah, one thing that I kind of missed out in the last point there is so I, there weren't any open roles at Intelligent Energy, uh, but I, um, I knew it was something that I wanted to, to at least get my, uh, my toe wet to see if it's something that uh, would make sense for me. And I'm so glad that uh, I was able to make a position for an, an intern short, internship role at the company. So I started there uh, just close to three years ago now, and I uh, quickly progressed from an internship role into a technical sales engineer role. And that role basically is uh, taking the products that Intelligent Energy have in development and working with different manufacturers and seeing how it, they may be able to be deployed as uh, fuel cell power systems, which could then be commercialized into the larger market. So after I progressed into that technical sales engineer role, the, the company had a larger sh larger shift towards aerospace as the general in industry recognized that we had to clean up aviation to meet the 2050 Paris Climate Agreement. And I was um, selected to uh, take a lead in the strategy for that sector of the business. Um, and that's, that, that's the journey. And um, where I am today is uh, looking after the, the teams that uh, are covering the development and the, the commercial um, sales site and overseeing the strategy for that. The, the point I'm going to pick up on though is, is about the, the kind of mission driven side, the impact side. You mentioned climate change too. So really what's the, the impact that you aspire to when, when you're in your role? What impact do you aspire to have on, on those that you work with? So the impact I aspire to have on those who I work with is uh, really that because I'm in a, in a strategy role, um, a lot of my work is behind closed doors to a lot of what the other um, employees see. And essentially every four weeks or so, I have to step up in front of a couple of hundred employees and say, this is what we're doing in our strategy and this is why we're doing it. Um, so I guess trying to really inspire the workforce um, towards working towards that objective. And really, it, it, it's working for Intelligent Energy. It's not too difficult. We're working on clean energy tech that is going to make uh, aviation emission-free. But uh, I'm laying out the, the roadmap towards us doing that. Uh, and that's what I hope to, to do by um, giving these, these monthly updates. And what's that like on, on the ground? Is, is that the, the kind of attitude that everyone at IE has, that kind of collective drive towards a, a brighter future? Or actually, is it more of the kind of, actually, we don't know, how are we going to get there? And that's the kind of startup, figure it out kind of mindset that I sense you guys have as well. Kind of how, how do you balance the, the two of kind of knowing where you're going, but also knowing that you're part of the people paving the way as well? Uh, it's a good question. Um, so I would say it, it's a collective mindset 
at and, and I think it's I would say it's just unique to intelligent energy at all. Um, I would say it's it's a company that is at the right size where everybody has is able to get an easy understanding of the direction that we're we're going towards. Uh, where there's about 200 people within intelligent energy, and it's very different to you know a company that has 65,000 employees. Where if you know if if I present one month and um, somebody wants to find out more information about why we're going down a certain road, they can um, give me a ring and we can discuss it. I, I've been working in banking in company structures that are of the 65,000 employee magnitude, and you would get your P45 if you were to ring the CEO that was giving their quarterly update to the company. That just doesn't exist. So in a company structure of that that size, you're very much on the you're exposed to a lot more if you want to be. Yeah, so like you've got the responsibility a bit more. You've got the probably level of visibility, I sense as well, on a maybe hierarchical level of, of access as well. How does that overlap or overlay to to your time in finance? And, and really, how did you learn that, that working in finance wasn't for you? So I really learned that finance wasn't for me when, let's say, I've always had a passion for finance. I came from, well, in university, Clearly, I, I became really engaged with poker and we formed a study group and various other tangents to that. Uh, but I did want to explore professionally a route in finance. And I did that by joining a large UK bank. And it was the most painful six months of my life working there. And it, it was for a couple of reasons. One was the nature of the role that I went into was uh, basically a mortgage analyst, uh, which was the I had to work on a strategy to calculate uh, repayment plans that would effectively and legally recover company debt as quickly as possible, and uh, that was just something that I, I was just naturally uncomfortable with. But there were other areas of finance that I could have gone into, which I would have enjoyed a lot more. Um, so I, I it was a mistake that I made that I wish I was more selective about which route that I went into rather than being like. I want to try out finance. I'll take the first recently looking good finance job that uh, that's up for grabs. But secondly, and this is quite key for me personally, working and I touched on this just uh, earlier, working as part of a, a company with 65,000 65, employees is not for me. I would be working on a project and I would have to speak to a new person every single day about that um, project and have to go over the same material. Uh, and it's, it's just um, a lot less personally involved uh, as an employee. And that wasn't for me. On top of clocking in at 9am and clocking out 5am on the dot, um, that sort of mentality uh, is not for me. Yeah, it sounds like you've already learned what works and what doesn't work for you. Would you have wanted to know any of that advice that you're telling us now about what you like your preferences are earlier or do you think that was part of the journey that learning by doing that learning by experience and having tried the opportunity in finance and knowing it's not right for you was in fact something that you would do again to have that same learning outcome or would you want to know that sooner and before you decided to do it you know it's funny i think learning through experience is the best type of learning you can do I had a conversation with my father uh, before I took the job and he told me that, uh, you know, I, I can tell you finance is not for you. Uh, you won't like it. And I was, of course, stubborn Jonathan went and took the job anyway and had to find out himself. So I, I do think that you do have to, to learn for your own experiences. And I think you, you don't want to be in a situation as well where 
you look back and, and be like, what if, if I did take that opportunity and what could have been? I know the situation because I did take the job and I took the leap of faith and decided and found out that it wasn't for me. Yeah, so it almost removes that regret from your head because you've decided to try it and you know then that it's not for you. In terms of your whole career journey to date, say beyond just finance and within it as well, do you have a standout lesson, something, a mistake you made that you've learned from or anything that you think could really help those that are recent graduates right now entering the, the job market to find out what they want to do and what they'd really enjoy in the future as well? The key bit of advice if I were to give myself five years ago is um, I would tell myself it's okay to move on from a job early. Don't sit at a job if it doesn't sit, sit right with your gut. Um, now granted not everyone has this uh, luxury where they can do that some people have to work out they need a paycheck at the end of the month um, but don't stick at a job you aren't enjoying for the sake of hoping on career progression look at the lifestyle of your superiors perhaps they're two or three degrees of separation away um, and see if that's somewhere that's somebody that you might want to be in x amount of years time and if not then evaluate your career plan so within that i think there's a clear focus on early careers planning ahead thinking about what you want to do where you want to be and who you want to be i guess as well but bringing all of that together through networking what does networking really mean to you like, let's, let's take it back what actually is networking what does it mean to you it's a good question so um networking to me is really uh, professional networking is just sharing ideas with somebody that you have a common uh, where you have a common interest you could go into a lot of detail but um that, that high level that's how I, I would describe it i mean part of the reason the networking is so important at the moment is that due to the uncertainty around around covid a lot of companies are taking jobs off the market they're not sure what there's going to be over the you know they're not sure what their future is going to look like right and so i think networking as a skill for young people is becoming even more critical and as you mentioned not all the jobs that are available are listed somewhere you might meet someone at a poker game and be like right let's go for an internship right so how does that line how can how can young people understand that line between personal and, and professional networking kind of where do you start with that? Yeah, well, I would firstly say that yeah, it's harder in a way to network. There's there's no career fairs going on at the moment for freshers. And freshers, I mean, um, newly uh, grads uh, that yeah. contend for looking for their first uh, way to get their their foot in the door. Uh, but there's there is new opportunity opportunity to network um, in this new COVID working world. Everybody is working from home. It's, it is really easy to contact people online now more than ever so before. So my piece of advice uh, would be to look at the field that you're wanting to enter into, find the companies that are working in that field, see what they're working on. If you if you're, have experience, nearly everything you can do is you can do to some extent on your computer at home now. If it's programming, for example, uh, develop a small application something like that. If you, it is very easy now to contact that person working in that company that you may want to work for to show them that application or to perhaps even design something that you might think that they, that company could use and be of value to them. 
that is the best sort of networking you can do. It's it's going far beyond um, what a, a, a conversation at a job fair in, intends to, to seek out. That's what I would say. Yeah, it, it, it's fascinating to, to me because it's so much deeper, yet at the same time, you're more isolated because you're not actually meeting the person in, in person. You know, you can have virtual coffees even now we're on a Zoom call recording the podcast, but it doesn't necessarily feel the same as that in-person interaction. So it, it is a funny one that you can have that value add, that impact, that kind of different conversation. In your experience of, of networking, do you think that's just because everything's been disrupted by COVID and so people can be a bit cheekier and asking for people's time, you know, maybe finding out people's mobile numbers where normally you'd be stopping by an office because, uh, you know, they never you'd never get past the gatekeepers at the front desk kind of thing. Do you think that will go backwards once we get back to a, a kind of different world or actually is it that people are more open to just chatting with strangers more regularly now? I, I do think that um, people have developed working habits throughout COVID and those working habits will stick. There will be um, things that they do revert back to an extent, but I, I think just across the board, how we live our lives, um, a lot of that, a lot of those changes will stick going forward and, and towards the, the working world um, and environment it is the same. In terms of a, a networking basis, I think it will be more difficult in once we first go back and, tr- and that transition is the most difficult. And that's where I, I think that uh, especially those in the early careers um, will have to be, try uh, to be extra proactive. But um, once things resume to nearly to the extent of its old ways, then there'll be a hybrid between the, the two ways of networking. Yeah, I can definitely definitely see that as we adapt back. And uh, numbers trying to make the most of it where we can of trying to use what's been good from the COVID world, but also what worked beforehand as well. I think what's really interesting about sort of your background, your story of having met someone through a poker game and almost drawing the parallel in my mind to sometimes even sports that are seen as networking opportunities like golf, which is obviously people play golf because they enjoy it, but it's also seen as a great way to network with other people. Do you think that networking is strictly professional and then you make friends that are personal or are all your friends also part of your network as well it's a combination of both I think if you're the balance of um your professional life and your personal life they can sometimes uh, that line can be blurred a bit and that can be beneficial in some cases and it could also be a negative in some cases um, you just have to, to manage that uh, accordingly it depends on the, the, the situation. Um, like if, if you're a big influencer and or say there is a big influencer and you're trying to get their attention um, for something you need, more um, people just want to talk. Or that big influencer will basically have a lot of people every day that are trying to uh, sell something to him uh, or they just want to get a job off of him. But being able to, to, to connect with that influencer on a personal level, if it's, say it's about your, you find out that he's into football and you share a favorite football team, mm. um, that can that will go so much further than um, just off the bat talking about the same thing that's the last hundred people that have solicited that person about. It, it all depends on, on that, that circumstance. On the, on, the, on the flip side of things, if you do become too personal, then it, it can um, impact the professional relationship if 
the the relationship were to uh, deteriorate or there, you had to go say you were working for a company and that you had the business uh, relationship with that person didn't quite work out then having too close of a personal relationship through your your networking with them um, can be a disadvantage yes it's almost a opportunity to connect on a deeper level with someone but it's also a risk in that that deeper level might block your decision making or might influence it going forward where another decision could be better if you didn't have that personal ties as well so that's a a really interesting kind of double-edged sword should we say of creating really personal relationships with people when or if you're a young person looking to do exactly that not necessarily personal but professional as well and you're looking to grow your network and say you've just joined a company should you focus on building that network within the business within the clients around it or should you look for third-party people people who aren't even involved as stakeholders in the company you're working at and getting their opinion getting their thoughts getting to know them so you have that wider perspective but you also have potential future opportunities as well like how much balance should you have on internal company related networking versus external non-company related networking the straight answer is it depends on the i think both is very important but it does uh, also depend on the size of the company to lean towards uh, the extent that you should be arranging um, internal networking there may be a circumstance like for the company i work for i network every day with all the different different departments um, within the company. If, if you're looking at working at a company that has a few thousand plus employees, um, then I would suggest more actively trying to network with different internal departments, um, especially at a company at that 5,000 plus employee mark. Projects and career progression, they will uh, always help having the backing of other departments that are may not necessarily work directly with you all the time, um, but they will support you at various parts of your journey. Um, and having them on board is really, really important. So being able to actively network with them is important. Externally, I think it's, it's, it's always important to network externally. I work in a role where I naturally have to network externally, but there are closed door positions that you may have that. Uh, you don't you don't have any requirement to speak to anyone externally and it's important to be aware of that and to actively put yourself in a position that you can um, network externally in order to further your career progression a key pickup for me is is the kind of active versus passive networking right Of, of the kind of i don't know maybe i'm going to go to a conference or i'm going to go to a virtual event where I might meet people from industry maybe it's a careers fair-esque event or an early careers industry event you know whatever insert thing here right that would be my understanding of more of a passive thing because you're just more likely to bump into people you're going to have chats you're going to meet people take cards take LinkedIn's whatever but then on the, the kind of active front you have to be the proactive one you have to be the one to instigate a meeting, instigate a, a coffee, ask a question or, or whatever the thing is, whether that is within the company or not. And I think my my interesting kind of thought is on the, the kind of purpose. Does there always have to be a purpose to that networking? Or actually, is it something that 
as an early careers professional, as somebody trying to find their way through the first five, 10 years of their career, they're still at university. Is it something that you just need to build as much network as possible? And that's the outcome. Or actually, do you need to play it a bit more um, strategic, if you like? In terms of uh, having a purpose, I think it is important to it depends on what the goal of the networking is, but um, it, in general, any networking I would do would be to have a, a purpose behind what I'm um, trying to, to achieve. Um, if that's to further relationships, to potentially enter into a partnership with another company or look for um, new suppliers and uh, supply chain. I think um, depending on uh, what the, the actual goal is, um, then you have to tailor it and work out uh, where you go from there. The point on goal is is exactly where I'm kind of getting at. And I think it says it better than, than I did, because I think a lot of young people struggle to understand what their goal might be or what it should be, if that should is the right word to, to use, to think of, oh, you know, I, sh- I should be out there networking because a lot of people are talking about it, or I haven't really got that goal because I don't know what, to, to talk about or if they do have a goal it's a massive thing like hey can you give me a job please kind of thing like that kind of big goal but actually does that count as a networking goal or you know how do people kind of figure that out or is it a case of just keep diving into chats get in the room with people that you can have an interesting and honest conversation with and just go from that yeah okay so I, again i'll go back and say i think it, it is important to have a purpose and a goal but it doesn't have to be this this large goal of I'm going to go to this careers fair and at the end of this I'm going to have a job it's going to mm-hmm. it could be as simple as I'm going to go to this careers fair and have a better understanding about what direction I might want to go in if you're not uh, going if you don't go into the careers fair with an, a, a, an objective like that then then I think it can it's not the best use of uh, somebody's time that, that would be my um, opinion but it yeah so it, it, it just have it could have a be a small step of this attending this careers fair will help me find out a little bit more information about where I want to go and that's what you could be using as a basis yeah it's definitely one step at a time and kind of gathering information asking questions I think uh, a a tip for, for me really would just be to be prepared and have that goal in mind but also be super honest with the people that you're networking with and I, I really feel that from being at university even now with with Housite when I'm in that networking type chat of actually we don't know what the outcome is going to be at uni it was hey I'm a student can you chat to me about your experience in in, in your career or in your role with X with Housite now it's hey I'm starting a company can you um, chat to me about your mistakes or your experiences doing what you do or I noticed that specific bit of content that I liked that you wrote can you uh, speak to that bit or kind of always go to a chat with a plan and with an objective and with a goal, but think about networking with that relationship building in mind, because you always want to continue and have further conversations with people rather than just networking for the sake of networking, having one chat with somebody, and then that's kind of it. So I think I would always have that, you know, real relationship building uh, focus rather than sort of pure transactional uh, nature which i think that goal orientation can sometimes point towards of you know leading with hey person can you give me this please kind of it might work a couple of times but on the whole you're there to build relationships 
Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would agree to that uh, an extent. I think, yeah, having a, a goal on your end um, doesn't have to be a, a big one, as, as I mentioned. And building uh, relationships um, can be a good thing and they can lead to you never know where your next opportunity is going to come up uh, come up from like in my I'm a case example of getting my first job that I fell in love with uh, through networking at a poker uh, tournament prior to that I, I received my first ever internship at a, a at a funeral and these are two just true stories which are just bonkers and being open to that networking and uh, relationship building with those people was really important in my case um what i was referring to before in terms of if you are attending a a, a job fair relationship uh, going into it with this sort of minor goal is what what i would recommend if you are going into build relationships with people at that stand um at the job fair and you're building a relationship with somebody where you do know that that company is not a company that you want to work for then i would say that you are wasting your time a bit but it is also good to have that uh, network there. Yeah, I think uh, it makes a really good point on, it depends on the person a little bit about whether they're willing to spend time creating non-transactional relationships with you. And if that is something people actually want on both parties, I think that's a really interesting broader point of if you have the time for one, but also if you have the interest in doing so for two so i think it depends on the person whether that personal relationship building would come first or whether that would more be focused on the outcome the small goal working towards that bigger goal but to kind of flip this whole perspective a little bit with organizations of any size or it's going to differ by sizes of course but how can they do more to facilitate this internal networking to enable the discussions between teams to enable the especially the, the people who join first who maybe might be newcomers, they might be joining even the senior team, but at a later time than everyone else, how can they be made to feel at home and get to know people across the organization of all sizes? Is, is it as simple as just booking calls to everyone and just speak to them or should they be given more structure about how that call should go? Um, so I do think this is absolutely something that uh, there's a gap of, the communication and networking between different internal departments and this scales the issue scales exponentially with the larger organization that you um, are working in my own opinion on um proving that situation is to being able to organize um group tasks between departments that um, do have relevance to each other uh, just to get them more engaged with each other Intelligent Energy has um, gone through some workshops which have worked with uh, finance, research and development and engineering. And um, this is always um, improved uh, relationship, relationships between the, the departments. It's been a fantastic uh, an event. So that, that's something that uh, I would say is um, something that organizations um, could do. And I think we'll do more now going forward with the this, these events have really only popped up in the past six months with the uh, the ways to further uh, progress interdepartment communication under lockdown because it's no longer of you know the, the other departments a 30 meter walk uh, across the office so that's what I think the the uh, organizations can do better at organizing those events and 
as routinely as uh, as possible. Yeah, so definitely it's almost combining teams that will work together on projects and having them network across with one another if they're from different departments. So that's a really important point of say, if someone's in finance, someone's in legal, they might not be in the same team, but they're gonna have to work together on certain cases. So having them get to know one another, especially be more intentional about it during remote working opportunities, especially in the hybrid environment going forward, that is definitely gonna be important for, for organizations at every scale as well. In terms of, you said, and I think it's very true, the problem only scales when the organization gets bigger. Do you think then there's an organizational size where it's too large to actually have this networking between teams because there's too many people simply? Or do you think that there's always something that could be done at every organization of every size regardless? It just needs to be done on a smaller scale. So maybe combining like a few members of each team rather than being the whole team? Or do you think that it reaches a capacity point where it's just too many people to have to get to know and so it shouldn't be done at all? Or is it something that has to be done somewhere in between? It's a tricky question and wouldn't say I would have the most experience to be able to answer it. I could give my opinion um, and that would be that I, I, I do think we are getting close to the capacity of, or sorry, you could get to an extent where you, you reach the, um, the point where it is too difficult to, uh, for the purpose of pure networking to, um, uh, to, to be able to organize that. Um, but I think there, there is definitely a way that larger organizations could restructure to promote uh, better interdepartment communication. Um, for example, <clears throat> there's X amount of finance and X amount of legal employees uh, and engineering in different companies and they're randomly allocated to different projects depending on the, need, uh, the demand. And these could be very different engineering projects, for example, that they could be working on. Um, but a subset of the finance team, the legal team, or the engineering team can work on a section of engineering projects. And those sub teams could always be working on similar projects so that they can have the opportunity to grow and work together. That's that's something that um, uh, I know my, my ex-colleague is working on. Um, and that's something that uh, I think will be uh, fantastic for the workplace of tomorrow. Yeah, no, it definitely is a great great point i think it's a, a great outlook as well so bringing that together a little bit and thinking about the opportunities networking gives you it's similar i think to the personal branding we spoke about a few weeks ago in terms of it, it tracks opportunities just by getting to know people by having those conversations things happen so as an organization who like what you're saying facilitates and in fact encourages networking within and also exterior to them as an organization do they run the risk of employees getting opportunities through networking that are better than what they currently have and then then moving on beyond the company like by investing in people's networks are they in fact increasing the strength of the employee to have opportunities that, that are better than their current one so yeah, it's a good question. I think the in the internal networking that the company I work for do is uh, does not present that issue where it would give them the uh, the opportunity for the 
another job at a different company and the the business would suffer as a result um there is um there there are external networking or external events where networking is clearly taking place and it it, it will always be a risk you're going to an exhibition about the latest in battery tech and you're going to find out who's doing what there and uh, what company is hiring a bunch of new uh, engineers etc so that, that will always be a risk but I think it, it is important as well for you know the employee to be up to speed about what is happening the latest in the industry and an organization organization investing in the employee being able to go there and learn I think um, would uh, the employee would uh, appreciate that and feel a bit more loyal to the company that is investing in them um, to develop as a, as, as a character and uh, not just seek out new opportunities. Yeah, I guess the key point here is that if you try and hide it from someone, they're going to want to do it even more or they're going to do it behind the back anyway. So I think if an employee wants to leave, they're going to job search online and there's enough things to find online that perhaps it's not so much of a risk for them to go and develop relationships in the first place and in fact if the opportunities they have with you is so good then it should reflect in if they're faced with another opportunity of oh wow like that's really really cool but what i do is even cooler like i really enjoy what i do even more than that so i think it's probably a wider point of the attractiveness of the role over just the potential downside of speaking to new people and having those other opportunities around it as well. But kind of bringing that point back to the future, how do you think networking in early careers specifically is going to develop within the next five, 10 years? And what elements do you think you want to see more of, but also do you think will come to fruition regardless? So in the next five, 10 years, um, I, I do see a lot of the obvious answer more um virtual events that the tech to really do them has only really been developed in the past 12 months and some have not even been uh really realized yet there's a lot of events that are taking place over the the summer which i'm attending in, in terms of exhibitions and um that um, have uh, quite incredible functionality there um, that's uh, something that will be trending going forward um i 100 confident about and the i think is uh as ryan you said that it's uh it's a bit less personal and completely agree with that but what we, i think we will see it's uh a lot more uh, we'll see these a lot more frequently going forward and in a, in a lot more international basis before it's very difficult for companies to attend different job fairs for all the different universities across the UK, whereas uh, it's 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 really the the, the goal of uh, those job fairs is to have a chat, build a relationship with the people behind the stand at the job fair, and these virtual stands will no, now exist with uh, companies three hundred miles down the road, um, and that that's a fantastic uh, advancement in in being able to to have that. No longer does somebody have to fly three hundred miles to to go visit the company um, and see one of their their tours for um, when they're they're hiring for entry positions and grads that that's a, a key development i see going forward yeah i guess it's about costs on that point as well of actually on the whole everything has become a lot cheaper on that side of, of networking but to follow that question through thinking on the side of both employees and employers 
both sides of, of that coin as we move towards that workplace of tomorrow with more virtual events, more uh, international cooperation perhaps as well. How can we how can we get that? What are the actions that employees and employers need to, to think about to move us in that direction? So I, I think there needs to be um there needs to be an instigator by behind these uh, virtual events and that's that's currently unclear. Um the you know before in the universities organize the, the, the job fairs um and universities operate extremely slowly. It, I think it will be difficult in the, the first instance for them to stomach the, the change and move towards this and adopt the new technology, which industry needs to stay ahead of the curve. They need to, or otherwise they just, their business goes under. They need to be able to um, exhibit their products at, at stands. Um, and so these virtual events are taking place now. Um, and the technology is just over the next few months is, is what's coming out is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, um, and so I think universities will slowly adopt this and they will they will be the instigators behind the these uh, virtual um, early career uh, networking fairs. But uh, it will take some time to to get to that stage. Um, I would like to see more pressure being put on uh, different uh, bodies that um, can push this forward even faster. But um, not sure how, how possible that might be at, at the moment until uh, at least until we get back out of lockdown. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a really good direction to be having. I think almost the gatekeepers to those conferences are really, really important. I think what I've almost been missing from online networking is the fact that it's really intentional, that everything has to happen by you reaching out and by you having action towards it. And there's no chance for serendipity in just going along to a meeting and then coming across someone obviously you are going along to a meeting but like if it is more that you have to do it and you have to be active with the networking so i think something that's a really big opportunity that i'm seeing with a platform called gather town is that they're almost bringing that that chance that serendipity to networking by having conversations more naturally i.e you can walk into conversations by having a 2d character on your screen that you move and then as you move closer to people the video camera comes up and you can start speaking to them so i think that more accurately reflects real life where you can go and walk up to stands and speak to people and where you can go and sit in a corner and have a chat with someone and you can break out or have breakout rooms by almost quite naturally rather than being forced into it and told, here's your five minutes, go and network with this person. It's okay, I'm in a group. I really like what that person's saying. Like, let's go and have a conversation. And you can do it by yourself without having to be directed. I think that is a really big future of networking online. And I think, yeah, Gather Town is the place for it or equivalent platforms, dare I say, that do a similar thing of allowing the person, the participant to choose who they want to speak to, how and when, and for how long as well, because when you're online, you have to be focused for the entire time. But with that, you can just go and sit in a corner by yourself for a little bit. And that's quite nice just to have a little relax rather than having to be so focused. So I think bringing those elements of what makes in-person really good and then attaching them to the benefits of accessibility and reduce costs of online has got huge potential for the future. So I definitely agree with you that the future is virtual, but there needs to be a few more changes going forward to enable that that flow of communication, that flow of ideas, that flow of 
speaking and movement that perhaps we haven't seen previously as well. That would be kind of my take on it. Mm. Obviously, we've got Zoom, we've got Hop In as well as another one that's grown massively over the last couple of months. When you're thinking about those big industry exhibitions, Jonathan, is there any other platforms that are hopping on, hopping on, like uh, coming out uh, that uh, are going to be facilitating these events? Because I guess that's it, isn't it? It's the tech and the infrastructure that isn't quite there yet and is growing apace. Really, is it then just a land grab of who can do these massive events the best? Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not really familiar with the exact platforms behind the events, uh, but there's companies that are specifically trying to recreate um, the exhibition environment uh, for these big events um, and just have them exactly the way Charlie described is that you can walk around and just approach the stand and you would have a character at that stand and it just makes it a bit more fun. The, this is rapidly in development at the moment to, to try and uh, address um, uh, this gap where it's basically right now it's just it's death by PowerPoint and seeing the, what the company's latest updates are on a 20 minute PowerPoint presentation that, that takes away all the fun of the previous um, in-person events where it was you'd rock up to the stand you'd see this fantastic new SUV that um, BMW just came out uh, with loses all that excitement um, whereas uh, there are companies trying to develop the software to recreate the, the whole um, atmosphere and to have the 3D models of the cars in there and the different employees on the stand so I think I think it's it's, it's almost like an uh, it feels like an episode out of uh, Black Mirror, to be honest. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's at the same time it's very exciting. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing the outcome of it. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely is, and and we do too. To get definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, so the, the the kind of closing thought then, Jonathan, what are your kind of condensed tips or thoughts around networking in early careers? What can what can people do? What can, can businesses do? Like, what's the, the key takeaway, the one thing that you want everyone to pay attention to? Um, so I would say that right now it is harder than ever to um, passively network. Um, so you need to be proactively networking. Um, and proactively networking is the best way to uh, succeed in, in um, getting um perhaps a job or finding out if, if this a line of work is something uh, you want to do or not. Um, somebody's working on a project, reach out to them. Find, they'll happily talk to you about the project um, and you can just find out if you're interested or not. Um, and that just, again, helps you take off that goal of um, being able to work out if you wanted to do that or not. Um, so um, I would highly recommend as especially the early stages network proactively right now as much as possible in order to as quickly as you can try and find out different routes that you might want to go down. Um, I, I went down that route and I certainly could have uh, reduced uh, a couple of years off of my uh, searching um, if I were more proactive uh, with how I actually engaged um, with uh, my networking. Um, the Second point I wanted to, to, to mention as well that um, um, it, it is really important to be yourself while, while you're networking, uh, but it's it's also really important uh, 
the, the fact that uh, impressions and judgments are are made within the first 20 odd seconds of uh, meeting this person you're speaking to. Uh, make sure those first uh, 20 seconds um, are um, presented in a way that you want. Uh, you have that picture um, set in their mind and they can walk away with that picture. And that's what you want it to be. Um, that's also really important um, for early stage networking. Amazing. Nice one. Yeah, no, really good thoughts to, to close off. And I think that's super useful. I think we've covered a lot across the episode today, thinking about individuals, thinking about early careers, whether you're still at university, you've already graduated, or you are several years into your career journey. So all that remains really, Jonathan, is to say thanks so much for jumping on, share your thoughts on networking in early careers with us today. Hope you had a good time. I, I did, it was great. It was a really interesting conversation. Thank you so much, uh, Ryan and Charlie. Uh, one last thing I would say, if, if there are specific to myself, obviously I'm in renewables, I'm in aviation. If there is, are anyone that would like to find out more information, then feel free to send me a message on LinkedIn. Very happy to be able to offer that guidance uh, and to, to help somebody progress uh, and find out what they may want to do or not want to do uh, in the future. That's it for today from the House Hack podcast. The best place to find us is LinkedIn at House Hack Events, the company page, and personally on LinkedIn at Ryan McGee and Real Charlie Rogers. We really appreciate your listening support. Leave us a review if you enjoyed our episode, and we'll see you the next one.